Mr. Rod Hambry, it yes, is, sir. it's a pleasure to have you on Great Conversations. Did you know why we called it Great Conversations, by the because way? Because you have conversations that are great? <laughs> I don't That's know. That's right, we do. <laughs> well, it's it's gospel, relevance, evangelism, apologetics, and training. Great okay. conversations. But uh, anyway, um, I'm kind of humbled here because here I am talking and interviewing you where I'm used to you, it being the other way around because you've been doing this for a, for a long, long period of time. You probably don't need an introduction, but of course this will get aired all over the world. You never know when it's going to be. Uh, somebody might, uh, might come across this video. So why don't you just tell our audience who you are, what you do, and uh, what you're all about. Who am I? Yes, That's a good question. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, when, I, when I was young, um, let's go back to 14. That's a long time ago. It's right? a long time ago, man. Long time. <laughs> anyway, when I was young, um, I was living two different lives. And, and one of the lives as a pastor's kid. Right. You know, my grandfathers were pastor. My uncles were pastors. My friends, some of my friends I knew were pastors. Yeah. And uh, my father was a pastor. And so I knew a lot of pastors. I grew up in a family, right. fourth generation of, of pastors. And uh, I, I kind of understood, Lord, the Lord had touched me when I was eight years old, mm -hmm. but I really didn't bring myself to the age of accountability until I was 14. When I was 14, I had spent about a year or two living two lives. Right. And my one life was in school and I kind of did interesting things like smash bus windows and I got... <laughs> in trouble and right. things like that. But then I, I avoided it because I would do these things and run away. Right. And uh, then on Sunday, I would go to church. And on Wednesday night, we did Wednesday nights in those days. Yeah. Uh, I'd go to church and I'd be Mr. Good Guy, you know, Mr. Good Guy. Yeah. And uh, there was a youth pastor named Dave Yanatone. And he said to me, Dave Yanatone lives in Florida now. And he said to me, uh, uh, Rod, no, never mind. And that really challenged me because I was 14. I was like, what are we talking about? What do you mean, <laughs> what, never mind? What, what didn't you tell me? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. No, I, you couldn't do it. And that really got to me because I was competitive. Right. And I couldn't do it. So I said, what do you mean I can't what do it? What can't I do? Exactly. How do you know what I can and can't do? <laughs> he said, well, we were going to start a discipleship class. And the discipleship class... I don't think you can do it. I said, well, what do you mean I can do it? I, I I'm, can do anything. Yeah. I'm the pastor's son. You know, your <laughs> boss is my dad. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So he said, well, we're going to be meeting here at 7 o'clock Saturday morning. And I said on the outside, yeah, no problem. On the inside, I went, 7 o'clock. That's the one day I don't have to you know, get yeah. up for school. And anyway, I was okay. And uh, I said, okay, all right, fine. So I got up and I came to church at seven o'clock on Saturday morning. And I'm sitting there with 12 other people. And uh, Dave Yanatone says, we're going to begin to, to do our disciplines for a discipleship program. Right. And I thought, oh, great. This is great. You know, so one of our disciplines was to read the Bible every day. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, on, here's how we're going to start on day one, Psalm one, Proverbs one, and so on. And I said, no problem. Day two, Proverbs two, Psalms two. Right. Day three, Proverbs three, Psalms three. I said, no problem. I can do that. No problem. So I started, and on, I started on Monday. And so the Monday, uh, I got up. I can up kind on, of see where this is going. Yeah, exactly. So I started on Monday. All right, that's all right. I did that. By the time I got to um, the eighth chapter, 
it was Psalm 8, Proverbs 8, I was starting to feel really uncomfortable. Hmm. And then I realized by the 15th that I was, I just got angry and hmm. I was upset. And we went through church weekend and all that stuff, but I was upset and I, I didn't like it. And then we got to 21 and chapter 21 of Psalms and Proverbs 21 of Psalms. Something about those Psalms just hit me. And that was a combination of God dealing with me, hmm. saying, you've got to get your life straightened out. So nobody was with me. I was morning, getting ready for school, and I was went in and sat on the couch, and I said, I can't sit on the couch. I have to get down. So I bowed down on the couch, and I began to cry. Hmm. I said, Lord, I have no idea how to talk to you. Hmm. I'm a preacher's kid. I can't do everything. I don't know. I just need your help. And man, the Holy Spirit came in and touched me. And I started to cry. And I was in there crying, making a mess of everything. <laughs> my mom walked by and she looked at me and she, she went, and she kept walking. <laughs> she knew what was happening. Right. But uh, I came to know the Lord in those days. And uh, that time, on that day, the Lord spoke to my heart. At this time, you need to carry your Bible in school. So it was a secular school I was going to. Everything was, you know, in those days we were doing everything from the bicentennial. And this is in the United States. Uh, 1976 was the bicentennial. And, um, and that was the Watergate era right. and all that business too. And so people were burning flags in the school. I could get everything I wanted, drugs, uh, girls, whatever. They, But I lost... In, in the years I was in the school, a couple of years, I lost 21 Bibles because students would steal them, tear them up and take them, or teachers would throw them in the garbage can. Really? Saying, we don't want that blank in here anymore. Wow. So that's the kind of atmosphere that I grew up in. But I, I was determined, uh, and one story is interesting, I was walking home for lunch, and you know the school was only two blocks away, and there was a group of guys who were ruffians and... Um, in the school, I knew them from before and before I was saved and they were, they were people I was against and I was coming against them. And they started, I passed them, they turned around immediately started following me and started ridiculing me. Right. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, Lord, this is going to, there's five of them and there's one of me. <laughs> it's not going to be good. So I prayed, I said, Lord, I need your help. Yeah. And you know, they ruffled me a little bit, pushed me around a little bit. I just kept walking. And they turned around and walked away. And hmm. I thought, interesting. Hmm. God, you protect me when I come to you and when I pray. That stuck with me. So then uh, go down the, the pathway here about six months, um, or actually just a month or two, and then six months later something else happened, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But I was in a church because my dad moved churches and it was Rex Humbard's church. Mm. It was called the Cathedral of Tomorrow. Today it's owned by Ernest Ainsley, a great man. And, and so anyway, I was in there and my dad was being ordained to the pastor of the church. So in that church, uh, Rex Humbard touched my dad's forehead with oil in front of about 5,000 people. And we were sitting down front. And I thought, that's interesting. And I was stuck with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just sat down and I was just overwhelmed. And my mom said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. I'm really fine. And God spoke to me in that moment. He said, you will be in Christian television. 
<laughs> I was sitting in the audience. I didn't know what's going on. And so I said, that's interesting. So what happened was I began to work in Christian television volunteer as okay. a floor director. A, a, not a floor director, but assistant to the floor director. So yeah. I did important things like take people's gum, uh, get people coffee, and all those kinds you of things. You were like the youth pastor of television. That was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I served as a youth pastor, so I, I kind of know the deal. It's chief cook and bottle washer. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I, I, I did that, and about six months later after that, uh, I remember I was in school, and they called me, and they said, Charles Hembury, come to the office. And I'm thinking, oh, what did I do just now? like school. What happened? I didn't do anything. You know, I changed my life. I, now I'm getting in trouble, so I go down to the office. My dad's there. And I said, Dad, what's going on? He said, get in the car. And I thought... Is mom okay? Yeah. Is Robin okay, my sister? Uh, yeah, everybody's fine. Just get in the car. So I get in the car and we start driving. And I'm Dad, where are we going? I, right. He said, I'm taking you to church. I'm taking you to work. And I said, okay, that's fine. We get there and we go into Rex Humbard Jr.'s office. Dad turns to me. He says, I'll see you later. And I'm sitting in <laughs> Rex Humbard Jr.'s office. Right. And the secretary comes in and asks me if I have a social security number. I didn't. I didn't know what they were. They were it's like social insurance number in Canada. Yeah. So uh, I, she got me one, and she applied for it and all that stuff. And Rex Humbard comes in, and he barely looks at me, Rex Humbard Jr. And he says, so you're, uh, you're Rod Hembry. Yeah. He says, you're the guy who takes my gum. I said, well, yeah. You're the guy that gets me coffee. I said, well, yeah. He said, okay. Um, and he gives me a figure. He says, it's $4.50. In those days, that was a lot of money. Because um, minimum wage was like two eighty-five or something. Anyway, right. um, is that fine? And I said, fine, fine for what? Right. He said, well, we're hiring you. And I said, oh. He said, but you're fourteen. We had to get your social security number. So is that? I said, whatever. That's all right. So I started working for Rex Humbard in television. Okay. And uh, we were there for a while, and then Dad moved, and so we moved, and uh, I ended up working for Jim Baker. I ended up working for, yeah, very interesting. I ended up working for uh, WPCB, Channel 40 in Pittsburgh. Right. And I ended up working for all these places and uh, in radio and television. Yeah. And I decided in my life as I moved along, I wanted to be a broadcast engineer. Hmm. So I went, I was in high school now. And I was like maybe, well, I was in junior high before. So it was maybe the 11th grade, maybe the 12th grade. I, I applied for a college course and I got it. NRI, National Radio Institute, and I started right. taking engineering lessons. So I was passing my test and doing very well and all of that. Meantime, I'm working in radio and television. Mm-hmm. So um, long story short is I got my engineer's uh, license and all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm an engineer, a broadcast engineer. And then my father had a very, um, in, in the time in Brampton, uh, we came to Canada, and the time in Brampton, he was the pastor of a church, he had a problem uh, inside the marriage. Mom had uh, made some mistakes and had some affairs with people, hmm. and it really kind of stirred up the church and me. Yeah. But what happened is my father decided he couldn't pastor anymore, so he just decided that in three weeks he was gone. Hmm. And at that time, I had met a woman uh, who was amazing. Her name is Janice, and she still likes me, I think. 39 years we've been married, so praise thing. God. Uh, but anyway, I, I married her, and she was pregnant with our first son, Ryan. Yeah. And Ryan was amazing. 
And uh, my father had left uh, the week that he was born. So hmm. the week he was born, my father left his job and I had no job and I had nothing. Wow. So that's my life. And I said, well, I've got to do something. So I went immediately. We were in a house, a, a rented townhouse, and we didn't have the money for it. So I, I decided, well, I, I'll go down and I'll work in Buffalo, New York, and I'll find a job down there because I was American and my I was on a visitor's permit in Canada working. Right. So I did that and my wife, she had to stay with our in-laws up in Brampton. So I worked that way for about eight <laughs> months. Wow. Worked um, at, um, started at WBPI, Channel 40 in Pittsburgh. Then I moved to um, uh, Brampton. It was very difficult. Those mm. were difficult days. If ever my marriage was going to toast, challenge, yeah. if ever anything was going to stop, that was it, because Ryan had a lot of problems when he was born. They told me he would never do sports, oh. he would never do anything, and uh, God countered that. But yeah. anyway, so I began to work in secular agency as a in in an agency, and I was the I was the executive guy who took care of business with clients who came in. And um, I remember one night going home. I was out of ministry because I did not believe that any minister could ever handle a church with that took money in. I just believed nobody could do it. <laughs> nobody could do it. After all I'd seen right. and my father and this had happened, nobody could do it. So I was sort of working in secular saying, I'm just going to work over here, have a nice job. And I was starting to do well. And I said on the way home one Sunday night, well, the only way I'd ever go back to ministry is if Rex or if, uh, um, David Maines called me, and I haven't talked to him in years. Ha, 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 ha. That was a Sunday night, literally. <laughs> I, I've learned in life, my wife and I, we just say, well, I, I, I never say never. Because the <laughs> Lord has a sense of humor, so I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like there's a punchline coming up here. It is, okay? So, so watch this. So that's Sunday night, yeah. 7 o'clock. Stopped at a store, and I said that, and then we go home, and I get up in the morning at 7 o'clock, go to work, and I'm there, and just before 8 o'clock... Um, I get a phone call from my wife and she says, David Maines call. <laughs> and I thought she was joking. Right. And I thought, yeah, right, Janice, right, David Maines call. Yeah. No, he called. Hmm. And I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. <laughs> and I knew God was listening. Right. See, we don't think God listens to us. Hmm. God always hears us. Even when we don't want him to hear or joking around, God knows we joke about it, but he knows what's inside our heart. Mm. He knows what's inside our mind. Yep. So remember that, you know, when we, we remember that. Anyway, so anyway, uh, long story short, I went back to work at 100 Huntley Street as the producer. Mm. So it was interesting. So I worked there for seven years and I had my, my parents had split up and I was kind of mad at my father because he had chosen to remarry and, um, not a good idea in my mind. Um, and I disagreed with my father. And we had a lot of problems. Right. And so I was working for David Maines at that point. That was good. Because I learned that you can, as a minister, you can handle things if you do what God says. So, um, you know, those were interesting times. And I, my dad called me in 1990 because he had felt that he had remarried, but he had felt that he wanted to start a television program. Mm. And uh, he heard the president say that this is the year of the Bible because, you know, Ronald Reagan had said it a few years earlier, right. but then this president said it. So he said, I wonder if there's any Christian stations 
who have a program taking people through the Bible. They didn't. Right. So um, he started doing that. But he had he was in Phoenix, Arizona, and he had the problem is he couldn't do the production, right? And he had production problems and all that. He knew that I was producing 100 Huntley Street. So anyway, he called me and he said, son, I said, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> you know, kind of like, what do you want? He said, well, I'm doing this program and, and all this. And I heard him tell me about this program, taking people through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And he said, I'm three months in, but I'm having all kinds of production problems. And I can't, I'm only on three stations and I can't get it. And they're complaining in the stations and all that. I said, uh, let me talk to David Maines and see. I said to David, my dad wants to do a program. Uh, if he comes up here, can he do it? And I went back and David said, he's your dad. You have to do it. <laughs> I said, okay, well, I'll do it. So I went back and, and um, I said, dad, you have to come up here. And my dad said, okay. So as a result of that, my dad started traveling to Canada hmm. where I was at. And doing it at the at the place in Toronto at 100 Huntley Street, that's where we did the program. And you know what's interesting about that is, there's one story I'll tell you, and then I'll be you know I'll be able to move on. But this is a story that's really important because it reflects even today, after 30 years of going through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. The Bible is the Word of God. 66 books, 40 authors over a couple hundred or 1,500 years, it all with the same theme. The Bible is God's word. It's unique and it's different. And it heals. A lot of people look for people to heal them. Mm. But the Bible heals. Mm. The word of God. So as I, I, my dad comes up, he stays with me, says, your kids don't have a swing set. I said, I have time to get a swing set. He said, let's go get him a swing set. I'm thinking, Oh, great. Now my dad's going to buy me a swing set. So I said, okay, fine. And Something I did, to put together. <laughs> yeah. And, and I got to put it together. He's going to tell me what to do. So I get back. I lay it in the backyard, put it all out, open the box, give him the instructions because I always tell him or I always give him the instructions. He always tells me how to do it. Right. I give him the instructions and I get down on the ground. I'm like, okay, screwdriver, hammer. I'm good. Tell me what to do. I look up at him and there's tears in his eyes. Mm. And I don't know what's going on. And he hands me the instructions. <laughs> and he says to me, you tell me what to do. Wow. I said, what? He said, tell me what to do to make this relationship right. Wow. <laughs> so both of us sat there crying in our backyard over a swing set. I'm <laughs> sure my neighbors thought I was crazy. Oh, yeah. But that was the beginning of understanding the power of the Word of God. Right. So a couple of years later, I left 100 Huntley Street and went full-time with a program. At that time, it was called Life Lessons. We had to change that because somebody else was using Life Lessons. So we ended up calling it Quick Study. And for many years, it was Quick Study. And just last year, a year and a half ago, we changed it to Bible Discovery, what it was. But it's still the same. It takes yeah. people through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 every year. Every year. Every year. It's like a one-year Bible in a video format. It, 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 it is exactly that. That's yeah. exactly what it is. See, it's very interesting to hear you go through your story because <clears throat> obviously we've, we've chatted before, but my uh, story being quite different, not growing up in a Christian home, I was probably one of those ruffians that was giving you a rough time on, <laughs> well, it wasn't me, but you know, that would have been more my, uh, my uh, genre, so to speak. Um, 
But when I got radically saved, coming from more of an atheistic background, one of the first things I did is I read the Bible all the way through. Mm. I, I felt convicted. Like, I got saved. <clears throat> I was away from my home uh, in, in Ontario, Canada. I was actually in the States when I got saved. Flew home. I had a Bible and I had this track. It was called Three Steps, What Just Happened? And I remember sitting in my tub reading this pamphlet because I was like, yeah, what just happened? Something just happened. Well, I got saved. That's what happened. But because I had no church background, I had no Christianese, I had no way to relate to this conversion experience. I just knew I was different. And they'd given me a Bible, and so I started reading it. And I always joke with people, gee, do you guess, guess where I started reading? In Genesis, because it's a book. Because no one had educated me enough to start in Matthew or John or you know, like this. So I just started reading this book. And I went from saying, well, there is no God, to, okay, uh, God exists, I'm a Christian, and I'm reading this, this book, because I knew, well, that's what you're supposed to read. And I started in Genesis, oh, that's what God created and stuff like that. And I was just like, okay, that's, that's the way it works. I was amazed when I, later on in life, I met Christians that didn't take the Bible that plainly. To me, that was the renewing of my mind as I finally got through Scripture and, and, and you know, got to later on. But I felt convicted that I needed to have read this book. And so I got one of those one-year Bibles, you know, those big, thick Bibles, Psalms, Proverbs, you read the Old Testament, and, he said, and it was tough. Like, you're talking about going through there when you were younger. I remember, but I did it. I, mm. I'd get up early in the morning, and I'd just do it. And sometimes, I'll just be honest, I just did it, like, like just work. Like, let's just get through it. But I read through the entire Word of God through, a, through the year. And from that point on, whenever I'd sit in church and someone would be preaching, I'd be like, there'd be something in the back of my mind like, oh yeah, I've heard that, or I, I knew that a little bit. And it really enabled me to start absorbing scripture and to understand it more. Mm. So I think it's fascinating. I mean, quick study or it's Bible discovery is, yep. is okay. Is, is that not one of the longest running TV shows? That <laughs> it's a, well, it's 30 years. It's been 30 since 1990. So I, I don't know, we could just keep, I mean, we do, uh, you know, 312 programs a year because we do a weekend show. I mean, it's a lot of work. You know, oh, my, my family's goodness. on it. 312 shows a year. <laughs> Brother, yeah, my, that's... My, my wife's on it. My son is on it. My daughter's on it. I didn't plan any of that. Yeah. But God has chosen the program to, to do that. It, you know, it's interesting hearing your story about reading the Bible because the Word of God is that thing which is unique to any other book. Right. And it's eternal. And it brings us to the place where we know God. And your reading the Bible mm -hmm. is very interesting. God has rewarded us for that. Mm -hmm. And it's God who's rewarded us because we read his Bible. That's what he expects us yeah. to do. Yeah. So when I, I, I remember when I get to heaven, my dad asked me a question. He said, you know, when you get to heaven, uh, are you going to be able to tell the Lord you read every word? And I said, what do you mean every word? Well, his Bible. And I thought, oh, that's a good question. I like so that. I immediately got my Bible and started reading. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's something that we need to understand that if people are watching and if people have not read the Bible, what are you going to say to the Lord? <laughs> that's a really good question. I mean, I know working as an apologist, working with Answers in Genesis, we are constantly hammering. It is the authority of the Word of God, but we know. I mean, there, there's been so many studies done that show that the average Christian has not read the entire Word of God. They've not gone through that process. As a matter of fact, I know 
that many skeptics will, will you know, they'll bring up difficult verses, so, so-called, to many Christians, and, and they've never heard that before. Well, don't you know? Look at look what it says right here in the Bible. It condones slavery or, you know, one of these typical attacks on Scripture. And the person hasn't read that, and they don't know how to defend it. If you don't know the Word of God, how can you defend the Word of God? I mean, 1 Peter 3.15, right? Always be mm-hmm. able to give a defense, etc. So I think the work that you, uh, you do, brother, is just so important because I know personally friends of mine that uh, got saved, uh, didn't have a church background, and your show was the introduction that they had to Scripture and went all the way through, and then, of course, went on from there to read the Bible uh, through. Um, you know, the, the, it's interesting because um, we're just reading the Bible, mm-hmm. and we're just taking people through that. And um, again, we, I talk about my son. When my father passed away 10 years ago, um, I was totally unprepared. And he said to me, my daughter, I had, we had done a youth program as well when we started this out. Right. And, uh, but my daughter, it was a weekly program. My daughter, I had premiered her on that. Mm-hmm. And my son, he never wanted to be on camera ever. Yeah. I'm going to um, interview Ryan at some point. That, so. You should, yeah. because it's, it, anyway, he never wanted to be on, he was, his idea was he'd be behind the camera, never in front of it. And uh, I was always struggling. Ryan, you got to do this. You got to do this. But anyway, when my father passed away, uh, two things happened that affected, uh, I think, him. Corey had a back problem, and that was the first day that she felt better with her back. Hmm. And uh, it was really interesting how that happened. Anyway, and she was here. We were in Murraysville, Pennsylvania, where the U.S. office is. Ryan was with us, and my other son, Brandon, uh, I have three kids. My other son, Brandon, who's the biggest of all of us. Uh, anyway, he he was here as well. And um, when we got ready to tape, the last time I saw my dad is uh, he was walking. We were taping outside at the ministry home, but he was walking on the driveway, yeah. getting ready to leave. And we were standing there getting ready to tape because he had done his segments and we were doing ours. And he did a great segment, yeah. which I'll talk about in a minute. But... He was leaving, and he stopped. And I'm standing there waiting for the camera to start and waiting for the crew to get ready. And my dad stopped, and he turned around, and he looked at me, and he said, I love you, son. Hmm. And I was a little embarrassed because he never said that to me in front of a camera before. But, you know, I mean, with the camera, everybody was looking, everybody was watching, and I didn't know what to say, so I said, okay, I'll, I'll see you later, Dad. My last words to my father. Well, I'll see you later, Dad. Well, it was a true word, brother. Because we'll was, see him later. I didn't know that it was a true word. Yeah. And and then when my father died, I was devastated. But uh, my son, we spent the next week figuring out things. My dad had finished all the taping for July, but the taping for Ju- uh, July we hadn't done yet. So right. we still had to do our taping, knowing that my father passed away. Right. We did the taping and I told the people, I said, no, my father's passed away, but we know we're going to see him again yeah. and we're going to teach on. And I just picked up the program and carried from there. But I said to my, my daughter, I said, I called her at home and she was upset too. But I said, Corey, I now need you. Right. You're on every day now. Yeah. And said to my son, we're all in this together, brother. Yeah. You're coming on too. Yeah. And my son 
was editing the segments because that's what he did and he yeah. he he was touched by yeah. something that my father had said about the angels and about because he was talking Isaiah and uh, I let him deal with that but I mean it was really really something because God took that and pushed us forward so now the air team is Ryan Corey Janice, my wife, yep. my wonderful wife, who still likes me, I hope. Anyway. <laughs> I'll uh, check. I'll check later. Check. I'll yeah, check later. An update. And, uh, and me. Um, and the four of us move forward on that program, and we tell people about reading God's Word, and we're very excited about it. We, have a, we print a document every month, and people can write for it and get it. But that's what we do. And um, it's just really important that we hear what God is saying now. Mm-hmm. Now is the time to listen to the Bible, to listen to the Word of God. Absolutely. God is doing something now, so we need to hear that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how you're saying, you know, just in times of crisis, you know, people get called to, um, hey, this is something we've got to, got to do now, and they just rise up to the occasion. I mean, it's amazing to see your entire family involved like that. Um, it's, I mean, we hear people say it all the time on the news, well, we're all in this together. You know, we're all in this together. Yeah. And I know what they're saying, but... What I'm saying is, church, yeah. people of God, we are all in this together now. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. And so God is saying that to us. Yeah. So that's important. Well, you know, it even comes back to the gospel. I remember hearing this one story <clears throat> about uh, apparently World War II and, and these you know, squad of guys go out and all of a sudden they get attacked and there's wounded people all over the place and everybody's bleeding and you know and and so the commander you know throws these guys into the jeep and he says you know to one of the soldiers get in there and drive this thing and the guy's like but i'm shot and he's like we're all shot and the guy just okay and he, he gets in there and he listens to the commander and, and they go do it you know it's yeah. like when you look at this sin cursed world we live in rod we're all shot we're all shot right that's right i mean and and so when we get the get our, get our commands from jesus and he's like man get out there and and share the gospel mm. well we're all shot we all needed him to to give that command we all need need his saving grace so i, I just commend you guys for for doing what you do it's pretty awesome i, I remember the first time walking into the studio because we're here today in your studio, but we've got our backdrop up. But anyway, um, and and, uh, and just watching you operate, and uh, you had like the, the earpiece in, and I think you had a phone in your hand, and you were talking to me, and there was like an overhead voice or something like that, and I was just like, how does this dude keep all this going together? Because like there's five people talking to you at once, and you were like blah 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 blah, and then I heard a countdown five, four, and you were talking to me, and you were like, and you just turned, and <laughs> you were talking to the camera. I was like. Man, this guy's high capacity. How do you keep this all together? How do you have God just wired you this way? Because you got a lot of things going on. But the Lord does that. I mean, God has wired us this way. And I don't know. I don't know how we do it. We just we just go forward and God empowers us. Like the guy get in the Jeep and just go because you're shot. We're all shot. Yeah. But God empowers us. Mm And he gives us, I don't know what he does. I stop the bleeding. I don't know. But he keeps us going. <laughs> yeah. It is the Lord Jesus Christ by faith that keeps us going. So the Lord has just created this mm-hmm. and um, created us to be prepared for this. He's created you for what you're doing with Answers in Genesis, yeah. which is absolutely stunning. And it's great. And I love it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the idea is that if we do what you say and if we go forward, then God will help us. Mm-hmm. 
And we don't know how we're going to do it. Nobody has all those answers, but we know that God's going to help us do it. So we're going to do what he said. Well, it's true. You know, people have asked me, I remember talking to one of your, your crew members, uh, Matlock, and he was like, well, how did you get involved in this? You don't got a PhD. This, that, this. And I just honestly told him, I said, I mean, my conversion experience coming from an atheistic background, obviously the creation evolution issue. I mean, all atheists believe in evolution because you have to, you have to explain how you got here without God. So I had to work through all those processes and stuff like that. But as far as becoming an apologist, I remember being at home, it was midweek. I don't even know why I was, I must've been sick or something. Somebody had been given, given me this DVD by this crazy Australian guy, Ken Ham. I'm like, I don't know what a Ken Ham is. I stick in the DVD. He did an hour and 15 minute presentation. The DVD player stopped. I was like, I got to start speaking about this. It was like, that's what the Lord used to just say, you need to start speaking about this. Mm. And I just started studying. And I I was very much like your son in the sense that a, a lay person driven to learn more about this issue because I knew how important it was. I knew how the enemy had seeded my thoughts all throughout my, my years with evolution and dinosaurs and millions of years and all that stuff as the reason why you couldn't trust the Bible. Because I knew what the Bible said. I mean, I'd, I'd gathered enough information to go, oh yeah, it talks about, you know, the creation of Adam and Eve. Give me a break. We all know we come from eight men and all those things. So I would encourage listeners, um, you know, hopefully this will, if you feel drawn to ministry, Whatever the Lord's leading you to do to serve him, just just do that. But I, I, I kind of want to segue now into the whole, you know, Genesis issue. And as a pastor and, and, and as someone that's, you know, obviously been teaching the Bible, when did you first encounter the so-called, you know, challenge with, with different viewpoints about Genesis, old earth versus young earth versus, you know, theistic evolution? When did you first encounter that? Did you, was that pretty early on when you started going through that? After I came to know the Lord at the age of 14, I started noticing things. Right. And uh, one of the things I noticed was in school, there was a, a picture of a little monkey and then he gradually stood up and then he, there was a man. Right. And monkey to man. And it said, you know, this is how, where we came from. Right. So I thought that's interesting. So I went to church and I, and I asked the pastors, I asked my father, right. I said, what that school, they're telling me we came from monkeys. Like what happened? Yeah. And everybody at church kind of said the same thing. They said, well, we don't deal with that. You know, we don't deal with that. Even my father at that time yeah. said, well, we're not really dealing with that right now. And what, what they were really saying is we don't know. We haven't don't seen explain that. Don't, don't ask because I don't know. Yeah. And I realized the church at that time in the late 70s was not equipped right. at all to help us deal with this issue. So I began to think, okay, Lord, as I'm reading through the Bible and knowing things, I began to think. And uh, I, I thought, well, okay, God created, but then I was working with, I became a progressive creationist. Right. I You're made, trying to blend these ideas together, yeah, so to speak. Of yeah. course, yeah, yeah, because I mean, I didn't want to... I wanted to be friends with everybody and all of that. Um, and so then, then I remember thinking, oh, I'll let that sit there. And then I got involved with some other things. And, and then I came back to it. I was, I was actually at uh, producing at 100 Huntley Street in my first year. And um, I remember thinking I actually had a gentleman on who was a progressive creationist on the program. And I thought this would be interesting to hear his point of view. Right. He went on the air and, and uh, David interviewed him about his testimony and all that stuff. And then after that, it was about a week later, David called me into his office. He said, you know, we had, 
Hugh Ross on the air and mm -hmm. all that. And I said, yeah, we did. He says, well, he's a progressive creationist. I said, yeah. He said, we should have a regular creationist on the air. A regular one. <laughs> and, and I said, well, what do you mean a regular creationist? Yeah. He says, well, somebody who actually believes what the Bible says. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting way to put it? Yeah. Someone that believes and what I the Bible says. And I thought about that. Believes what the Bible says. Yeah, but his story... But wait a minute, he's, and I started a confusion inside of me. Right, because you realized what, he, what you'd heard. Well, that's not the plain reading of the Bible. He's exactly. blending stuff together. Exactly. So I said to David, I said, okay, well, what, what do you believe, David? And David said, well, I believe that God said what he did and does what he says. So he created it. Right. And I thought to myself, what a novel idea. What an interesting idea. And so we invited this guy in, and, and, um, and I, I was talking specifically to him. Yeah. Walter Brown was his name. Right. He's a great guy. And I said, so tell me, he was a scientist. I said, tell, what, what do you believe he tells me? And I said, so how do you believe this? He said, well, it's very simple, Rod. He said, you know, in Romans chapter 6, it says the wages of sin are death. So what does that mean? I said, well, everybody knows that means sin results in death. He said, right. So... How do you justify having life from death? I said, well, you can't. And it all came to me in my mind. Right. That's what the teaching is all about. It's, it's death. A, it's the sequence of when death and suffering occurred in time. Exactly. And the only place you can put millions of years is in the six days of creation. Exactly. And if the rock layers are evidence of millions of years, it's what's in the rock layers, which is a record of death. Exactly. Which supposedly occurred all before Adam sinned and the wages of sin is death. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it, uh, well, I mean, th this impacted me so much as well. And it's the kind of aha moment that I've seen over the course of 20 years preaching about Genesis. It's the number one thing because, you know, trying to wiggle around it and saying, well, may maybe we're just talking about spiritual death at the time. You know, Romans 5.12, through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all men. So some progressive creationists have tried to say, well, yeah, well, that, that was just men that died. There were animals and you know, stuff like that dying. Well, by the same evolutionary evidence that they accept for millions of years, evolutionists have come out and said modern humans died 200,000 years ago. And some of them were cannibalized. So they've really put themselves in this position where they can't answer the number one question against Christianity, which you know, if, there's such, if you've got such a loving God, how come there's so much death and suffering and pain in the world? Well, if you're telling people that God used billions of years of death, suffering, and pain to create, called it very good, then Adam sinned, then the wages of sin is death, and it wasn't just a spiritual death because God said, from dust you came, from dust you'll return. A physical death. Jesus dies a physical death on the cross, and the, the you know... In, in, the, in the restoration of all things, it's supposed to be restored to the way it was in the beginning with no sin and death. So, it, gone. The gospel's yeah. gone. Yeah. And it's all about the gospel. Yeah, exactly. So, so it, it's interesting. That, that, that point that we keep hammering over and over again, death before sin, that was the thing that clicked for you. It did. And, and I, <laughs> I said to him, you know, that's a really good point. And I, I began, I went on a study... <laughs> which lasted literally two weeks because I, I kept praying, Lord, show me this, show me this. I'm sure that in the Big Bang, you did this and you did that. And, and God kept saying, what does my word say? Right. And I kept saying, I know what your word says, Lord, but what do you say? What do you say? And, and he says, 
what does my word say? He kept asking me the question in my prayer time. And I remember thinking how stupid I felt when I said to him praying and I said, Lord, I know what your word says, but what do you say? And it hit me. That's what he's saying. It's in his word. And the word was with God. And, <laughs> and the, the word, word is God. was God. And I didn't see it. And I went, oh, Lord, forgive me. And I ask forgiveness for believing the wrong way. And, you know, God has shown me through time. And from that point, from 1987 onward, I realized, okay, this is... And then at that time, we didn't have all the people that were in place and, you know, CMI wasn't in place and Answers in Genesis was there, but it wasn't what it was. And God has brought you guys, uh, Answers in Genesis and the rest of it to the place. And ICR was in place. ICR is a great ministry down in Dallas. They're a great ministry. And, but Answers in Genesis really handles the support. Mm -hmm. And so I learned that. And then my father, my father, who, who always, the last words I had about this, I don't know, well, we don't deal with that. You know, we don't deal with that when I was like 14. We don't deal with that. Right. So I said to him, so dad, what do you think about creation? Well, you know, God's done some amazing things. They found a thing in the universe and it blew up and, you know, it's just amazing. God, I said, and I'm listening to this. Yeah. And I said to him, we were driving on our way to Brampton. And I said, that's interesting. That's interesting, dad. Let me ask you a question. Um, sin is a result or causes a result of death, right? He says, well, yeah, of course. It's Romans 6.23. I said, okay, so from death came life. How is that possible? And he went, yeah. he never answered me. Hmm. And I, was, I said, okay, well, just think about that. Let's, we'll go see a movie or something. Just think about that. Yeah. And he, you know, he did. And about three weeks later, he came back to me. Right. And he said, actually, you're right. And right. I, I've come to the conclusion that after all these years of ministry, God's word is right. Right. You know, that's really interesting that you did it that way. Now, obviously, it's your dad, too, right? So It's my dad. Yeah. <laughs> you so, know. But, but I think this is an important point for people listening to understand. You know, I think sometimes... You know, we, we get filled with all this knowledge and, and we've thought things through and we've, we've wrestled with things, right? And then we want to go and we want to tell our Christian friends, just, you got to believe in six day young earth creation because here's why. And people are just like, you know, you, you can kind of scare them away. I, I really think what you did was great. You took this little kernel of truth and you went, you just dropped it in his head and you let it roll around in there. And it's a little uncomfortable. And, and uh, <laughs> I've done a whole um, ebook. It's called uh, Biblical Creationists Stop Doing These Things Immediately. And, 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 and one of those things is, is exactly what we're talking about here. We want to approach our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. If they're struggling with this whole Genesis issue and stuff like that, start from Scripture and don't beat them over the head with it. Don't be obnoxious. Mm -hmm. Drop the Word of God into their head. Maybe challenge them on a couple of things, but you don't need... Don't think you have to do the Holy Spirit's work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Isn't that what we try to do sometimes? That's we, exactly we try to right. bring conviction and we try to, you know, force the issue and all that kind of stuff. It's like, here's what the Word of God says. And uh, yeah. that's what we need to stand on. And, and my father was, became the biggest 
you know, answers in Genesis. And, this, you know. <laughs> and then he became president of uh, Cornerstone Television, and he was the biggest guy, you know, in creation and origins and all that. Yeah. And it was it was funny. It's kind of funny, yeah. Because I knew, because I used to be like that myself, but I knew. But that's, again, how the Word of God, if you begin to take the Word of God literally, yeah. begin to listen to it and realize that, well, no, that, that can't be figurative, because if that's figurative, then we, that doesn't work. And we found that in archaeology. Wait, wait a minute, that doesn't work. So, yeah. you know, it's, you have to take the Bible for what it is. It tells the truth yeah. about human nature. It tells the truth about all kinds of different things we're dealing with. But it tells the truth about God, and God created. He's a miracle worker, and well, he still does. I remember Ken in that presentation that I, I first listened to. It was called uh, Reclaiming the Culture. And one of the things he said is all doctrines, Christian doctrines, directly or indirectly, are founded in the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the cultural issues we see today on things like identity, um, uh, traditional marriage, abortion, sanctity of life issues, all these things, I, that's, that's what I've come to realize. Now, you've gone through the Bible stem to stern, for 30 years, teaching. I mean, there are, there are very few people on the planet that have done that. Let's just, let's just be frank, right? After doing that for 30 years, how important do you think the positioning of Genesis and the understanding of Genesis as plainly read is to the rest of Scripture? Because I think there's a lot of Christians around there that's just like, well, that's Genesis, and then we just want to talk about Jesus, and, and let's just talk about the gospel and all that stuff. But as a holistic concept of what Scripture teaches from beginning to end, for those people listening, for someone who's done something that most Christians have never, ever done and will never do, how important do you think Genesis is? It's absolute. Um, you, Genesis 1 and 2, the two creation events of how God created and how God did it. Genesis 3 is very interesting. That's the origin of sin. Mm -hmm. Genesis 4, the first murder. And then you go through the Bible, it's right up to chapter 11. Those are the critical ones. If you don't understand that, then really the rest of the Bible is kind of irrelevant because Jesus Christ talks about, he says, and the beginning when God created, and he's yeah. talking about this, you know, man and wife, and that's what I, you know. That's where marriage comes from. Exactly. We know how many genders there are because of that. Exactly. And it's <laughs> Jesus Christ in the New Testament telling us that. Yeah. I mean, what do you do? So, yeah. and, and remember that in the New Testament, they did not have the New Testament yet. They had only the writing, the Torah and the writings and the rest of right. it. I think that that, uh, that is critical. That's, that's, and that's one of the reasons why I've become such a strong supporter of Answers in Genesis. Because, I mean, you guys are doing it, yeah. and we got to help you do it. Right. So, um, we have to, when you, when you teach that, we teach it very carefully on the program. Yeah. But you are teaching, and the gospel is in the first four chapters. Easy. Did you know the Trinity, of course, is in the first chapter of, course, yeah. of Genesis? And yeah. people don't know that. The two letters, the alpha and the, the end letter and all of that of the Hebrew alphabet are sitting right there. Yeah. You don't pronounce it in Jewish you know, vernacular. You don't say it because... Well, what I'm saying is you've got the Holy Spirit over the water. You've got God making and you've got Jesus Christ right there. Well, that's so, that's it, so interesting. That's one, one reason I'm going to be interviewing your son, Ryan, because he, he handles the creation component. Yeah, and you yeah. built that right into the program because you realize without that component, it's hard to... It's how, no how you, point. How do you platform the gospel? Jesus saves. From what? Exactly. Well, from sin. Well, exactly. where did sin come from? From the first man, Adam. 
Oh, you mean a literal atom? Well, we don't need a literal atom. Do you need a literal last atom then? I mean, it just all tumbles to pieces and it seems so funny to you and I because we've been around this argument for so long, but for many people that haven't walked that through, you know, I, I just got off the, uh, a Zoom call before we started the, the, uh, the interview here and it was with a group of pastors and the lead pastor asked me to explain to this group of pastors, about 30 of them, what do we do? So I used an analogy of a couple of years back when I was at a conference, a pastor's conference, and when Answers in Genesis just launched here in Canada. And I'm sitting behind a booth and there's like hundreds of pastors at these conference, right? And you got the booth set up and you know, you're sitting behind there and you've got literature. And I had these pastors come up and I was amazed that they hadn't heard of Answers in Genesis. And they'd come up and go, so, so what, what, what is this? And I'm like, Answers in Genesis, Ark Encounter, Creation Museum. Most of them heard of the Ark Encounter, right? But they'd be like, so what do you do? And I'm like, apologetics, blah, blah, blah. And so after a couple of these things, I'm, I'm kind of like, wow, really? So this pastor comes up and he's like, so what do you do? And I said, here's what we do, pastor. I'm 15. I'm in your youth group at church. Okay. I walk up to you. Hey, pastor, how do you explain dinosaurs in the Bible? Mm. He, he looked at me and he went, Oh, okay, I see. I said, no, 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 no. Go ahead, role play with me. Uh, I said, that's what we do. Yeah. Because if you can't give them the answer, the world will. Yeah. And they'll give them an evolutionary storytelling answer about how you know dinosaurs evolved into birds, and that proves evolution's true, which means you can't trust the Bible. Oh, okay. Fifteen minutes later, another pastor comes. It was the same scenario. Mm. And. When you describe your dad as, well, we don't, we don't deal with these, those things. We don't, you know who deals with these things all the time? Richard Dawkins deals with this stuff. Say. Sam Harris deals with all these things. Exactly. Every, every village atheist out there with a YouTube channel is dealing with this stuff constantly. And I still see the church going, well, we don't deal with this stuff. Mm. You can't escape it now. Yeah. Because uh, here's, here's another example. We launched the ministry, well, two and a half years now ago now. I go approach a, a, a pastor of a very large, I won't mention the congregation or whatever. Anyway, large church here in Canada. I said, hey, we should, we should do a, uh, an Answers in Genesis conference. He's a biblical creationist himself, the pastor. I said, he, he said, yeah, that'd be great. And you know, all the stuff. And we, we were doing this planning in a coffee shop and stuff. Follow up with him a week later. Hey, hey, uh, pastor, you know, how's it going? Well, you know, one of our board members is a theistic evolutionist and it's just going to cause some challenges. And so we're going to go in a different direction for our, for our conference. I said, okay, well, you know, okay. I said, so what are you going to cover in your conference, uh, Bob? He goes, well, we're going to, we're going to tackle the gender issue because that's the big thing out there right now. I said, I said, how, how are you going to deal with this issue when Jesus said, have you not read that in the beginning God created male and female as the standard for what the Bible says about when he's quoting Genesis verbatim as literal history and your, your theistic evolutionary board member doesn't believe that? Well, it's just really complicated. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, it, it's complicated, all right. And as these issues hit the church like a tsunami mm. and, and the pastors, are, well, we, we don't deal with this. If you don't deal with it, you are going to get mowed down. Yeah, you know? that's absolutely true. It's, absolutely it's just true. incredible. That's one of the things that we focus on uh, in our program is right. we, we tell people all through the year, this is creation. We believe God created because we be, because people will believe in miracles, mm -hmm. but you know, there, there's no, you don't have a miracle that's like only this much and a miracle that a miracle is a miracle. That's right. Whether you're creating a whole universe or you're just a small thing in your life. You know, something that you've thought about. It's a miracle. Right. A miracle's a miracle. Yeah. 
Oh, I know. I've had this conversation with many Christians over the years. You know, hey, I'm I'm a Bible believing Christian, you know, but you know, I'm I'm a doctor. I've got a doctorate here, and I don't want my you know unsaved family and friends thinking I'm some simpleton. And you know, look at Genesis; it's got a talking snake, so it's obviously poetic. And I, mm. I always say to them, yeah, but a little while later, you got a talking donkey, <laughs> and a little while later, you got a floating axe head. <laughs> And a little while later, you got a guy who walks on water and it's not even frozen. Yeah, so exactly. what part of the Bible are we supposed to be embarrassed about here? I mean, if I can trust Christ with my, my eternal soul, my salvation, and I can believe that he healed people and he, he healed the crippled hand and he brought people back to life, but I can't believe that he created in six days like his word says. Yeah. I've, I've always, I, I struggle with that. But anyway, it's, it's part of the reason why we do what we do. But... <laughs> Uh, have you been down to the museum or the ark? In I've been yet? down to the museum a couple of times, uh, and I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you you know, haven't been to the Ark Encounter yet. I haven't. Oh. I want to go to the Ark Encounter, but yeah. I haven't been down there. Well, for those who are watching, this might be years later, but this is the period of COVID now, so the border's closing up. But when the border opens up, Rod, we need to take a trip down there, brother. Uh, I'll, I'll go with you. Absolutely. I'll go with you, in a I, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get you to sit down with Canon, some of the leadership, see the Ark Encounter. They've added things since I've been there six months ago. They've they've now got a virtual uh, flood experience. See, so at, at the Ark, you go in these rooms, you put on the VR goggles, and you experience the flood. I was wow. I was on a Zoom call with 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 uh, Canon. I was like, Hey, so is there like two different experiences? Whether you know you like you're saved or unsaved. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he gave his little chuckle and stuff. But anyway, um, but no, we, we, we need to plan a trip down and bring some of your crew and your family and stuff Sounds like that. Sounds great. It, we'll it bring would the, be, it whatever would be. we need to tape and we'll go from there. That would be, that would be really yeah, great. Be um, good. Yeah. So obviously uh, all my guests on, on Great Conversations, I always like to showcase their ministry, what they're doing. Um, how do people access your program how do they, um, you know, if, if they're watching Quick Study, you've also got like booklets and to help them go through that. Why don't you just explain that before we wrap up, brother? It's real simple. Uh, you go to Bible Discovery TV. Mm -hmm. Bible Discovery TV. One word, Bible Discovery. And remember the TV. That's mm -hmm. important. BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Right. Dot C-O-M. When you go there, there's a, you can get the PDF files or you can just order the booklet, whatever you want. Uh, it, it's on there. The page is on there. We have a great, brilliant question and answer period. We get a lot of interesting questions from people. Yeah, many d different places in life people are at. So we've got a great uh, discussion that way. We've got all these things called spotlights. They're Ryan and Corey's elements, three minutes, four minutes each video. We have a live video a network called Bible Discovery TV Network, right. which you can watch anytime. You can watch the programs there and you can do you know, pretty much look at anything related to the Bible and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. That's the best thing. That's awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time, brother. I really appreciate it. I'd shake your hands, but you know, COVID and then there's regulations. And well, I don't know. The regulations are changing so much, you know, depending on when you watch the episode, it yeah. might get shut down or something. Like that. Anyway, always great to talk to you, Rod. We'll, we'll do this again. Good to see you. Thanks, brother.